0: This week on Yap, one of my favorite entrepreneurs, Brian Scudamore, is back. Brian first came on Yap on episode number 76, From Trash to Cash, to talk about his wildly successful start as an entrepreneur when he was just a college student with 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Brian is the founder and CEO of O2E Brands, a franchising empire with three home service brands under their umbrella, 1-800-GOT-JUNK, WOW One Day Painting, and Shack Shine. Brian has been featured on The Oprah Winfrey Show, CNN, The Ellen DeGeneres Show, The New York Times, and more. He's inspired thousands of entrepreneurs to live out their dreams with a proven business recipe by franchising his companies and through the advice given in his two books, WTF, Willing to Fail, and his new book, BYOB, Build Your Own Business, Be Your Own Boss, which was just released last month. In this episode, Brian and I dive deep into his new book, BYOB, and we chat about the two ways you can build a business, a blank slate or franchising, and how to decide which of these paths is right for you. We also talk about what makes a successful entrepreneur, from the traits they must embody to how they lead their teams. So if you're dreaming of building your own business and you don't know where to start, this episode is one you don't want to miss. Hey, Brian, welcome to Young and Profiting Podcast.
1: Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks, Hala.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic to have you back on the show. For those who don't know, you are the founder and CEO of the O2E brands. You're a serial entrepreneur. And last time you were on, we talked about how at just 19 years old, you pioneered the industry of professional junk removal with one got junk And then you scaled that success into two more home service brands, Wow One Day Painting and Shack Shine. If anyone is interested in hearing your backstory, I encourage you to go check out number 76 from Trash to Cash with Brian Scudmore. And in this episode, so really going to focus on your new book, Be Your Own Boss, and how to leverage the success as the creator of a business. And before we get into it, for those who don't know your story, I'd love for you to just at a high level, explain who you are, what businesses you've started, and your experience with entrepreneurship.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you and I know each other and have for uh, a while. My background, I'm a very ADD, all over the place. I see squirrels running across my desk all the time, type entrepreneur love watching people grow. And it started with my story of of me growing and building a business for myself, but then switching to a franchise model where we could see other entrepreneurs grow something for themselves with our proven recipe. Uh, Was in a McDonald's drive-thru of all places, beat up old pickup truck 33 years ago. And I see this junk truck in front of me, Marks hauling written on the side. And I'm like, I can do that. And that's going to pay for college. But ultimately, I dropped out of school, pursued my business full time, and the rest is history. We've built three brands, as you mentioned, and cumulative revenue this year will be somewhere around $700 million. And uh, I don't share that as a bragging of the revenue, but more the size and the scope of the difference I think we're making with entrepreneurs that we have as part of the O2E Brands family.
0: Yeah, and I've luckily been able to get a sneak peek. You know, I run a lot of your social media channels, your personal social media channels. And it's been so awesome just seeing how amazing your company works and the company culture that you've instilled. In fact, at Yap Media, we kind of stole one of your elements of your company culture, your four H's, uh, but we added a fifth one. So it's happy, hungry, hardworking, hands-on, and we added honest.
1: Ah, Um, I like it.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, you really inspired me as another entrepreneur, uh, especially somebody that I work closely with. So you have a new book, BYOB, and uh, your first book, WTF, Willing to Fail, uh, came out a few years ago. What made you, you know, think about writing this new book?
1: Well, let me start with why I wrote the first book, because I think it ties in and it's interesting. As an entrepreneur, and you know so many of them, and I know you're coming to our MIT group and get to speak to all these high-growth entrepreneurs who most of them have written books. And a lot of entrepreneurs write books because they feel they have to, or they feel that their ego wants to one day say, check off the bucket list, I've written a book. And I think I was a little different, that I didn't need to write a book. I am not a great reader, even though I can write. I'm so ADD. And I thought, I'm not going to, I don't have the time to write a book. So The Wizard of Ads, my co-author, Roy H. Williams, who does all our radio creative and much more, he sat down with me. And every year we'd go to Austin to see him at his academy. Brian, you got to write a book. Brian, you got to write a book. And every year the answer was no. And he said, Brian, you say your ego doesn't need a book. You say you don't really want to write a book but this isn't about you. I said, what do you mean? He said, this is about those that you can inspire. You and your teams have built, and your franchise owners have had some great stories and successes and lots of mistakes you've learned from. The world needs to hear about these stories. You can help other people. And when he said you can help other people and you can inspire others, and it isn't about me, that resonated. So after eight years, I said, okay, let's do it. And we wrote this WTF Willing to Fail. 40,000 some odd copies later and all the emails and feedback and things we've heard from people who have read WTF, I'm like, Roy, you're right. It did make a difference. And so a little less than a year ago, Roy said, well, it's time for number two. Let's go uh, get another uh, book out there and make it happen. And um, so we wrote our second book. And it's funny because this is not even the real book. So I was telling you offline that Amazon won't send you any copies in a print on demand world, I get the first copy the same time anyone else that orders it. So it's really just the sleeve over top of I don't even know what book this is over top of willing to fail. Uh, so I can't wait to get a copy tomorrow of my own book.
0: Yeah. So it, we're recording this April 4th. It comes out tomorrow. By the time you guys hear it, the book will already be out. So make sure you guys go check that out. BYOV. So what is it like, what are you teaching in the book? What are people going to find out once they read this book?
1: So what I like to do is what the book is all about. The whole purpose is inspiring action for anyone that's dreamed of starting their own business or maybe scaling an existing business that they can look at two paths that I take them down in a conversational way. So BYOB often means bring your own beer. So I tell people in the beginning, bring a beer, bring a cold latte, whatever you want, and let's have a little conversation for 90 some odd minutes together. I want someone to read it in one sitting and at the end go, okay, I've dreamt of running my own business, now what? What's the next step that they can take towards that dream? They say 66% of Americans dream of running their own business and think of all the people that never do anything with that dream. I want to change that. So the two paths I take them down is an an equal discussion back and forth. I think with mentors I've met along the way and people in my journey, I say, do you want to blank sheet it? Do you want to start from scratch like I did? Do you want to start with an idea, build out a brand, build out a team? It took me eight years to get to a million in revenue. It took me a long time but I loved the creative side of building something from nothing. Or you can take the other path, which I think is take something pre-existing, a proven recipe. Many of us, if we want to bake, for example, you bake a cake, you go to Google, you search a recipe, and you find it, you look on the reviews and the number of stars, and you go, there's a 4.8 star cake, I'm going to go bake it. You follow the recipe, you probably get it right the first time, certainly the second time. A franchise is no different, a proven recipe. And I talk about people in the book like Shaquille O'Neal, the franchise king. I didn't realize and got to meet Shaq last year. I didn't realize that Shaq has built a half a billion dollar fortune from franchising. He took what he learned in sports from all his winning teams and said, I know how to plug people into an existing team, give them the rules, let them go and lead them and, and watch them grow. And so franchising to him is very much like still being in the NBA, playing the game of business with a proven set of rules and a formula. So I give people a a look at both. And it doesn't matter to me what path they take. My dream is to inspire entrepreneurship and others. And if I can inspire people to make a decision and take some action, then the book was worth writing.
0: Yeah. I love that. So I'd like to talk about those two options. So basically you're saying there's this blank sheet startup entrepreneur where basically you're starting from scratch and then there's the franchise proven recipe. When it comes to starting from scratch, like what are the options available? Like what are the types of businesses that you can start from scratch?
1: You can start anything. I mean, there's millions and millions of businesses in this world. Many of them started from scratch. So you can take someone else's idea. You can look at, you know, a show that I've been watching. I'm not a big TV guy, but I've been obsessed with this new We Crashed, which is the WeWork story. And I've been watching that. It's just fascinating that they took an idea of co-working space that was already out there by other brands were doing it, but they did it differently. Now, did they do it better? I mean, things crashed and burned, and now they're still around, but in a new reinvented way. You can take an idea and you can put your own spin on it. Starbucks. Howard Schultz, who I got the fortunate, uh, they the pleasure to meet a couple of times. Here's a guy who took the mom and pop coffee shop business and transformed it and made it the third place. So a blank sheet doesn't mean you're reinventing something from scratch like an Elon Musk, electric cars. You might just take something and do it differently, do it better, and that becomes your own business. I didn't invent junk removal. I added branding to it. I added franchising to it. We became the largest junk removal company on the planet with 1-800-GOT-JUNK, but we did it differently. So blank sheet doesn't mean purely starting from scratch. And then the the franchise side is very different. Again, it's many entrepreneurs play to their strengths, which Marcus Buckingham and his book, First, What Are Your Strengths? Deal with what are you best at? If you're not best at dreaming up an idea and branding, but you're great at executing and leading and building teams, maybe a franchise is a faster path. Took me eight years to get to a million in revenue, blank sheeting it. My first franchise owner, Paul Guy, I just saw him last week in Las Vegas. He did a million in his first full calendar year, a calendar year. And that's because he followed something that existed and he did it better and faster than I ever could. And today he's got about 100 million plus in revenue across his franchises.
0: That's amazing, it's so true. A lot of people don't realize that franchising is sort of a safer path, right? It's a more proven recipe type of path as you call it. And I've read a stat in your book that was pretty surprising to me. I think that nine out of 10 successful businesses are actually franchise owners, is that true?
1: Yeah, so they'll say that one in 10 businesses succeed after five years. Nine out of 10 businesses that are franchises will succeed after five years. The drastic difference there, sort of the, the inverse relationship, is that franchising is proven. Now, again, my book is not meant to sell franchises. People would see through that and go, oh, Brian, I know you're trying to convince me on franchising. No, I want to convince someone to start a business. They don't have to start a franchise with us. They could start with someone else. They could start with a blank sheet, whatever it is. We are in a world today that is very entrepreneurial. The gig economy, I mean, everybody's running their own business. And that's what I want to see. We, we know we will grow and attract plenty of people, whether I wrote a book or not. This is about inspiring people to take the step, to build some confidence, to have some courage to build a life of their own in entrepreneurship, if that's what they wish and dream of.
0: And now a quick break from our sponsors. If you want to make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign, go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you want to claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. Young and profiters, as you may know, I launched my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass a little bit over a year ago. It was my first course. And so far, I've generated well over $500,000. You don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to be super techie. And you never have to worry about figuring it out on your own. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash profiting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash profiting. I can totally say that your book throughout the whole thing, it was, to me, I felt like it was mostly about starting your own business and you gave, you know, other options with franchises, but it was really great for the entrepreneur who also wants to start their own business from scratch. So let's talk about the flywheel of business. You highlight six pushes in your book, vision, people, systems, and culture, story, experience. Could you break that down for us?
1: Yeah, so vision, people and systems, I would say are the most important three things that someone needs to think about in starting a business. So vision is, what does it look like? What is the what is winning in my world? And when I created my first painted picture and I sat on my parents' dock in their summer cottage and I wrote out what the future could look like, I said, we only had you know, a, a million dollar business at the time, but I said we'd be in the top 30 metros in North America. I said we'd be the FedEx of junk removal with clean, shiny trucks, friendly, uniform drivers. I said we'd be on the Oprah Winfrey show. I envisioned a future that I wanted people to be attracted to like a magnet. And so vision first. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. It doesn't matter, again, if you're a franchise or not a franchise. You need a visioned, an envisioned future that is compelling that will attract the next part, which is people. Find the right people and treat them right. As you know, I fired my entire team of 11 people in 1994, five years into my business, because I didn't choose the wrong people, the right people for me. I didn't find optimistic, glass-half-full type people, and I had to start again. And I own that. I was the leader. It was my mistake. I did a bad job. I had to start again. Find the right people and treat them right. And then, of course, systems. I, I think you and I are both fans of Michael Gerber's The E-Myth Revisited. People don't fail. Systems do. How do you work... Not just in the business, but how do you make a strategic decision as an entrepreneur to work on it? How do you build out the proven recipe in your blank sheet to help people scale within your company? So vision people uh, systems. People work for companies and work with companies they believe in. They want to believe in stories. They want to believe in possibility. I've got a sign over my shoulder, which you can't fully see here, but it says it's kind of fun to do the impossible. That's Walt Disney's quote, which to me inspires me every day to dream big. What are the big things we can dream that we could make happen? And then how do we inspire others to have their own big dreams, their own can you imagines? And so the storytelling within a company is look at all the great things these people in our business have achieved, Now look what's next. How can others be inspired to grow? So part of the reason, again, writing the books after the fact, I realized that storytelling is so powerful. We are in a storytelling age. Just look at, you know, we're we're doing podcasts, social media. We love to tell stories. And good stories go viral. They spread because people want to tell their own story, things that they can relate to. And story, culture, experience, powerful stuff.
0: Yeah. So I want to dig into a couple of things that you said here. So you often talk about a painted picture when you're talking about vision. And I don't think a lot of people know what you exactly mean when you say painted picture. So what is this methodology, I guess, for your visualization and how can everybody use it?
1: Yeah. So now I didn't create vision, of course, but I created the term painted picture after that day on my dock at my parents' summer cottage, I was in a doom loop. I was at a million in revenue in the junk business. I didn't finish college. I didn't finish high school. I wasn't sure I had the brains or an idea that I could build bigger. And I said, Brian, stop thinking about this doom loop. Stop comparing myself to others who have bigger, better businesses. What could I do if I just dreamed? Closed my eyes, took out a sheet of paper, and it was like a Jerry Maguire moment. I just started writing what the future could and would look like. I said, we'd be in the top 30 metros, Oprah, FedEx, all that sort of stuff. And I started to imagine this future in all detail in my head, put it down in writing. I took that, they say a picture describes a thousand words. Imagine taking those words, my painted picture, and sharing my picture from my head as an entrepreneur with others around me, prospective employees, current employees. When I did that, about half the company over the next few weeks said, Brian... I don't know, this painted picture thing of where you're going, Oprah and so on. I think you're smoking some Hope Dope. And I said, hey, I see us getting there. I don't know how, but we will get there. The other half said, Brian, this is compelling. I see what you see. I believe in what you believe. And that got me excited because those people who stayed helped us build out this platform, this great company that would become what it is today. We're changing lives because we envision big things and we allow people to think big dreams for themselves. And when you're creating a painted picture, it isn't about how do you get there? I believe you never think how when you're dreaming. And so I can take someone like Cameron Harold, who was our COO, who said, I can't envision anything. And I said, yes, you can. If you would go anywhere in the world on a trip, dream trip, who would you go with? Where would you go? What would you be drinking? What's the sound? You know, the the palm trees, wind blowing, what is it? The cheering of Mai Tais. He was able to envision and describe with all detail that dream trip. He knew how to envision. Someone just needs to ask you the right questions to pull out what you're thinking.
0: So I think that could be really powerful. And something that I think could be a good story for my listeners is the fact that you guys did get on Oprah, right? So you made that vision come true. And part of it was because you had great people. And uh, you say that human capital can buy you things that money can't. So tell us about how you got Oprah and how your people played a part in it.
1: Yeah, so we had this can you imagine wall, this big wall in the office that was blank. We talked about the importance of storytelling. I wanted to create new stories. What are the things that we can't imagine? So when Cameron said, I can't envision everything, anything, and I showed him that he can, could, we put on this deck, this big decal on the wall can you imagine with a big question mark? It was meant to beg the question, what can you see in your future that will help the company grow, that might help you? So I put the first can you imagine up there, imagine being featured on the Oprah Winfrey show with my name below it. We had other people put other big dreams and goals. Tyler Wright, who was our first PR hire, he used to walk past that every day and he would look at this can you imagine on the wall and he's like, I am gonna make that happen. How are you gonna make it happen? I don't know, but I'm gonna make it happen. 14 months later, he stands up in our office and he's like, I did it, and he's going crazy. We're wondering what the heck is happening, the screaming in an open office environment. He got Oprah's people to commit to bring us down to LA, and we were gonna get filmed hauling away a hoarder's junk, and he found the right story, the right timing to pitch over and over and over. He made it his mission to make it happen. We were in front of 35 million viewers live on The Oprah Winfrey Show. I had four and a half minutes of fame that was taking our company and putting us on a on a platform that we'd never experienced, but in a way that we had envisioned. We knew we would make it happen. And Tyler Wright, human capital, anyone you invest in who can see your vision, your painted picture, that's pure gold. And then once you check those off, you start to imagine bigger other things Because it's so fun, as the quote behind me says, it's kind of fun to do the impossible.
0: So let's talk about some misconceptions with entrepreneurship, because a lot of people think that if they're a good baker, they might be a good baker owner. Or, you know, if they're a good marketer like me, they would be a great CEO for a marketing agency. But that's not true. Not every technician can also be a visionary leader. So can you talk to us about that?
1: Yeah, so Michael Gerber, in his book, The E-Myth Revisited, Michael and I have become friends. He's 83, 84 years old now, brilliant man, unbelievable, life-changing book. And he talks about the entrepreneurial myth that just because you're good at fixing cars doesn't mean you should run an auto repair business. What it takes to be an entrepreneur is leadership, belief in people, developing your people, having a vision, having a plan, having the strategy on how to get there. And so I think that the myth is often that the entrepreneur, someone who becomes an entrepreneur, became an entrepreneur for the wrong reason. They think, just because I've been working as a mechanic and making money for someone else, that I should now go do it for myself because I'm the best. It's not easy to run your own business. And that's why sometimes people need a proven formula or they need the training, the vision, and so on to blank sheet it and do it on their own. I mean, you you started your own business, like... Is it easy? No. Where did you learn everything? You, you had previous experience with Disney, I believe.
0: Yep. And Hewlett Packard. And, and a failed business when I was in my 20s, you know. So I had a, a few rodeos.
1: And that failure is important. To me, when I, the book WTF, Willing to Fail, to me, failure is just as necessary of an ingredient as anything else. You need to fail. You would not be where you are today. All the brilliance you bring to this world If you didn't have a failed business, we need to fail. We need to make little mistakes and big ones. And that's what allows us to really shine and grow.
0: Hold tight, everyone. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Young and Profiters, I'm about to be jet-setting all over the world. I'm going to London, Cancun, New Orleans, and New York to speak. I'm going to be up there with the bright lights and I want to be spiffy. I want to look fresh. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to racketon.com or download the Rakuten app at R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Young and profiters, Yap Media is growing so fast. I have 10 open roles just this month. In the past, it would take me so long to find hires. I have to go on all these different job sites. I have to create my own skills assessments. So what do you think are the qualities that an entrepreneur needs in terms of like personality or skills? Like, how can you tell if you should start a business from scratch, like a blank sheet startup, like you say, or if you should go for the proven recipe? Like, what are the ways that you can weigh that out?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question, Hala. I think that it's imagining what your why is. So as Simon Sinek would say, it starts with why. Why are you building what you're building? Is it because of money? Is it because of lifestyle, freedom? Is it creating? What drives you? To me, I'm, and I give the example in the book about Lego. Can you imagine this little Danish company that has just, just grown and grown and grown to be a mammoth of a business across the world, Lego? Everyone knows and loves Lego as a kid, and you know some adults do. If they didn't provide instructions, if they didn't give a manual, a vision of what this will look like, and here's how to build it, they wouldn't have become that massive company. A small subset of people want to just take the bricks and build something without instructions. That would be me. I don't like following instructions. I didn't do well in school. I didn't do well following rules. I want to take things and just make it from scratch. Most people want to take something and have a, have a better chance of success by building with instructions or a formula or some guidance and mentorship. Both are right. I think it depends on the personality. So what, back to your question, what makes someone better for blank sheeting? Their ability to want to create. Do they really have that need to almost be a bit of an artist, to invent, to inspire? If I look at my why, and Simon Sinek helped me, uncover my why, which was great, is imagine big possibilities and you never know they might actually happen. My why is to inspire big possibilities in others. And so I'm a road less traveled entrepreneur. I don't follow convention. I think I needed to create. I wouldn't make a great franchise owner. But then you can take Paul Guy, who's probably making more money than I am and having way less time working than I am. But thats he's taken a proven formula and wanted to do it differently and wanted to put his team in charge after he built it up and said, you run it. He built a house in Hawaii, spends a lot of time in Hawaii with his family. They're just different paths. And I think it's owning whatever your path might be. And the book is meant to be a discussion to have someone find out what could be uh, in their future, which path would work for them.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So let's let's talk about both topics separately. Let's talk about blank sheet startups and kind of your perspective on that and your advice on that. And then let's talk about like finding the right franchise. So in terms of a blank sheet startup, you say there's three main things to remember, determination, experimentation, and innovation. Can you talk to us about that?
1: Yeah, you need to be so incredibly determined because there's no clear path. You know, it's it's the it's the difference between going to Google Maps and saying, I'm gonna go from Vancouver to Las Vegas by car. You have a map that tells you online how long it's gonna get there, what traffic's light. You've got some guidance. Starting with a blank sheet is, I'm not even 100% sure where I'm going. I'm just gonna get in the car and drive. You have to be up for an adventure and you have to be determined to find the answers and to find the way. So it, it's a tough road. Experimentation. You have to be willing to try new things at every turn and make mistakes. You have to be willing to fall on your face over and over and over. The number of stories of, you know, firing my 11-person team and starting again, having businesses fail or parts of businesses fail where you're you're so cl- I mean, I've been so close to bankruptcy where I should have thrown in the towel and many people would have because it's an adventure and you just don't know what's next but it's the innovating from those mistakes. It's how will this make me better? So an example, when we first tried to franchise the business, we took 1-800-GOT-JUNK and we made it a student franchise model. University students, we'd recruit them in January to April. We'd help them start up from May till August, train them, they'd run the business, and then we'd shut them down for the next few months. And we only had a window there of four months in the summer to haul away junk. They made money, but as a franchise organization, we didn't. We tried to set it up like these college propaner-type outfits. It didn't work. We failed so miserably. They made money. We didn't. But we tweaked the model, and we learned. We learned what it was like supporting people that knew nothing about junk removal, that needed to be trained, that needed to be upstarted. We got a lot of valuable learning from it on a small scale before we went with a traditional franchise model and went across the country. You have to be willing to innovate. You have to be willing to experiment. And uh, you got to be so determined that there's no giving up. When you have a franchise, again, as a different model, there's other franchise partners who can answer your questions who say, I've been there. I've done that. I've made that mistake. Here's what I've done. When you're a pioneer and you're out driving down that road and you have no idea where you're going, there's no one there to guide you.
0: It's so true. When you're, you have more of a community, I feel like when you're in a franchise, but let's stick on this experimentation piece. Cause I think it's really interesting. And you tell a great story in your book about a company that nobody knows about, uh, because you sold it a while ago, a moving company where it failed because you missed the experimentation step. So tell us about that story.
1: Yeah. I mean, it always causes me a little, uh, anxiety when I think back, cause it, you know, no one likes failure. And it was a big failure. It was eight years worth of putting so much love and energy into this moving business, You Move Me. It was our fourth brand. And we were arrogant. I was arrogant going in. I'm like, oh, we've done this so many times before. We can do this again, no problem. We picked the wrong space for us and we made some big mistakes. And so when I wrote WTF and it's a story in WTF, at the time that book was going out to get published, I'm like, oh, I wish I could just pull that story out because I know it's starting to fail and it'll be gone by the time the book hits the bookshelves. But we kept it in there because I knew we have to be willing to be transparent and own our mistakes. So here's the mistakes. When somebody calls us to have their junk removed, after it's gone, they go, oh, I feel so relieved. If they have us bring in WoW one day painting and paint their homes, they look around, they're like, oh, this is a transformation. It's beautiful. Or if they use Shack Shine. We just clean their windows. They look out their window, they're like, wow, I can see again. They're all happy businesses. Moving, no matter how amazing our movers are, five star service, just off the charts, we would still find that people were never really happy because the stress really is just beginning. Moving day is stressful, unpacking, trying to find stuff, everything's lost or broken. Even if you break, people break, customers break things on their own. It's a stressful, stressful business. Mom and dad are fighting. The kids are in a new neighborhood, going to a new school. It's a stressful time. We got out of it because we said, you know what? It's a commodity-based, hourly-charge type business. We couldn't innovate and do it really that much differently than anyone else. And it's not a happy business. So we, we learned from that failure, whatever business number four is, Again, for us, a new brand, it has to be a happy business ripe for reinvention where we know we can provide some real innovation. We didn't experiment, though, in in You Move Me. And this is another part of the problem is when we built out 1-800-GOT-JUNK, it took me eight years to get to a million because I was building out the systems, the processes to ensure success. In moving, we were, again, I was arrogant and just dove in and I'm like, okay, I got this. And we built out systems as we go. We built the rocket ship while we were flying it. And that just doesn't work long term. So many mistakes, learned from it. We celebrate the success. We've got you move me on our WTF, willing to fail wall at the junction at our office. We're not ashamed, it was hard, uh, but it taught us something valuable.
0: I love that story. And it is a great lesson. So I thought we could do something fun right now, Brian, and you tell me if if we could do this. So I want to do a rapid fire segment. In your book, you list several different types of entrepreneurs, and I thought this was super clever. So I'll list them off, and then you just explain to us what type of an entrepreneur that is. So the first one is grow where you planted, entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, grow where you're planted. That would be someone like Chip Wilson. Chip Wilson, Lululemon founder, a good friend of mine. He grew up in a business where, or in a family rather, where his mom was a seamstress and he understood what it was like to cut fabric and to put it together. And he just had this, this was in his brain. The first business he started was West Beach where they made snowboard gear. It failed, he sold it off, he lost money, but then he, grow where you're planted, it was he still needed to stay in the same industry, but just find his right big idea, which was Lululemon.
0: Hmm. How about passion project entrepreneur?
1: So someone I got to meet at a speaking event who I just loved and adored is Tony Hawk. So Tony's passion was what? Skateboarding. So everything he's ever done. He started as a pro skateboarder who invented all these incredible moves, who won all these tournaments and so on. He was looking at getting into, uh, he was consulted on a video game project. And it was a failed video game. It was actually a Bruce Willis Armageddon video game. But he saw the technology and he goes, we can make a skateboard game out of this. And he created, um, you know, his Tony Hawk video game that, that became massive.
0: Super popular, yeah.
1: Right? And so here's a guy who took his passion, everything he's understood in his entire life, has been his passion of skateboarding. And he's parlayed that into billions of dollars and everything he's done with his brand.
0: Mm, I feel like that's the type of entrepreneur that I am. I basically turned everything I'm good at into my business. (laughs) So I can relate to that one. Okay, ex-corporate entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, so Britt Morin, Britt & Co. You know, here's someone who comes from a corporate background who just said, you know what? I want to get out and do it on my own. I want to get out of the corporate world and apply my skills A lot of people do that. It doesn't always work. She's got a great background in Silicon Valley, venture capital, and has done amazing. So if you can do it and it works for you, get out of the corporate world and take all your training and apply it to your own real entrepreneurial world.
0: Mm. And I feel like a lot of people might cross over both like a few of these different types of entrepreneurs. Okay, cure your pain point entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, so Reed Hastings uh, met him at a TED conference. And uh, I just love what he's created in Netflix because he had such vision to solve something that was a real problem. So much of your audience might not remember the days of going to Blockbuster and renting videos and paying late fees and going to return those tapes. And it was a hassle. But he knew that one day, and that's why he called it NetFlix, was that he would stream movies. He started by mailing DVDs to people, getting their loyal client kind of connection. And when they were ready to stream and the technology was there, off he went. And it cured a point. I mean, you click rent, Apple TV, Netflix, the whole bit, boom, you've got your movie and you watch it. You don't have to go anywhere and return anything. And what an amazing make it easy story for how technology made lives easier for, for everybody.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting how he solved the pain point in different ways over time as, like, technology advanced, too. Completely.
1: Completely. And then, you know, then you come up with different pain points. And an entrepreneur has to be adaptable. Now, whether you are a blank sheeter or a franchise partner, business changes. And you've got to learn how to keep up. Blockbuster could have owned Netflix. You know, they, they, they had the space. They were the first mover advantage, but they didn't innovate. They didn't think differently and adapt. And Reed Hastings came in and pure magic.
0: Yeah, took it over. Okay, last one, Franchise King Entrepreneur.
1: So Shaquille O'Neal, here's a guy who goes in and says, I can take everything I've learned from the franchise world of basketball, right? The, you've got all these NBA franchises and he's been you know, winner of so many different championships and he's played on six teams. He's been able to learn what's it like being a player, a leader, what's it like being a champion, and he's taken that and applied it to business. So he bought franchises. He plugs in the right people. He knows how to put his vision matched up with great people and just in the same way as as with sports. You would develop your players, develop your team, and off they grow together.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, So I want to get into franchises uh, before we wrap up this interview. We talked a lot about blank sheet startups. Now I want to talk about for someone who's out there, they're great at systems, they're great at managing people. They want to just go for something that's more secure, less risk, and they're interested in a franchise model. What should they do? Like, how do they go about exploring the different options out there? What questions should they ask themselves? And how would you suggest they go about making that decision?
1: Yeah, I would suggest, well, we talk about the four H's. So they have to be happy, hungry, hardworking, and hands-on. As a franchise owner, if you don't have all four of those traits, I think it's a challenge. And here's why. First and foremost, as an entrepreneur, nothing's ever easy. You and I have had some bad, bad days, but I bet you and I have both smiled through them because we've got a happy, optimistic attitude. You've got to see the world as a franchise owner, as glass half full, because sometimes there will be rules. Sometimes there will be obstacles. Things don't go your way. That's okay. You give yourself positive energy and you get through it. You've got to be happy. Hardworking, uh, hungry, and hands-on. Hungry, we're not looking for investors. A franchise owner in any franchise space, I believe, can't come in and say, I'm an investor and I just want to collect paychecks. They've got to be hungry. They've got to need this to work. We look at our franchise owners like Paul Guy, who came in and did a million in his first full calendar year. He started in debt. He had to make his interest payments. He had to pay his brother back. He needed this to work, and that had him work smart, hard, hard and he got the right uh, effects on his business. Happy, hungry, hands-on, uh, you've gotta be hands-on. You can't be running another job when you're a franchise owner. This requires everything you put in until it gets to a point where you can then scale and put general managers mm-hmm. in place and be less hands-on. But in the beginning, you gotta be very hands-on. Hardworking, hands-on, hungry, happy. Those are Those are them. A franchise owner needs to have those. Otherwise, I believe that uh, it's not gonna be a fit for them. A franchise owner also needs to reflect and say, am I Shaq, am I able to come in and follow the parameters of the rules of basketball, the rules of franchising? Am I able to put in my right people who have way bigger strengths than I do in any certain spot? Someone has to be willing to listen. You've gotta be able to listen to your people. And Shaq was always that type of leader where he could listen to the other fellow members on his team and understand, you know, how they would work together. So franchising is not for everybody. Starting with a blank sheet is not for everybody. Business in general is not for everybody. And my book is meant to start a conversation and a thought process that by the end of the book, I want people to take some form of action and take one giant step towards making whatever their dream is a reality.
0: So what about picking the right business? Like if you want to open up a McDonald's or a Dunkin' Donuts or like, what should you look for in a franchise system?
1: Yeah, it's another great question. I think people need to look for something they believe in. So if you're, if you believe in, let's see now, do I believe in junk removal? Do I believe in freeing up the world of junk? I believe in the customer experience of someone going, wow, it feels so good that my junk's gone. The reason we struggled with You Move Me is we weren't getting that same customer feedback of, oh, thank you, because they knew their hard work was still beginning. So, why are you doing what you're doing? And our brands, our franchise owners come because they want to make a difference with customers. They want that great customer feedback. But I think our franchise owners come to us because they see the raw, raw team development atmosphere and they go, I can bring in a bunch of young people, put them in trucks and vans develop them, and some of them can become owners. So I think they really like propping up and providing opportunity to others. If it's McDonald's, again, do you do you love fast food? Do you love their training? What is it about that business that makes it the right business for you? You got to get in and know the franchisor and understand what their offering is because the offering generally isn't just the product. It's the way they do things. What's the McDonald's way? What's the shack shine way? And I think that's the bigger question someone needs to look at. It, it's got to become a passion project. So, my passion project is planting seeds of possibility and watching them grow. Big ideas, big dreams. You know, you know the story of Ellen. We were on Ellen. I was on Ellen last week or two weeks ago. It wasn't something I made happen. It was an idea I got to put down in writing about 20 years ago. And we story told around it and said, one day it will happen. And it was hard work and lots of back and forth and pitching over and over. But one day Ellen caught on and goes, wow, I want Brian on this show because he believes in possibility and in planting big ideas. She said that was her whole entire life. And we had a connection on that and it ended up turning into a great piece. So that's my passion project, inspiring big ideas and people. And you never know, they might actually happen.
0: That's beautiful. What a great way to kind of wrap up the show. So I always end with the same questions, same two questions, and then we do some fun stuff at the end of the year. So the first one is, what is one actionable thing our young and can do today to become more profitable tomorrow?
1: Ask your people, what can they imagine? So you said owners. So if they own businesses, I would imagine they have teams or peers or customers I would try and inspire them with vision and say, what can you imagine? In the same way we were on Ellen with a big dream to create a can you imagine movement, that movement started with us starting with our own employees and saying, what do you dream of? What's something big that you can see happening in our business that would change the world, change our business, make you feel fulfilled? Ask your people. People are everything in a business. And we often don't ask our people, what's important to you? They're not going to say money because hopefully they're making enough money or one day they will. But what they're going to tell you is, here's my dream. Here's my goals. Here's how you can help. So actionable, find out what your people dream of. And that breeds loyalty, commitment, teamwork, and the profits will flow.
0: I love that. And what is your secret to profiting in life?
1: It's all about people. Find the right people. Treat them right. It's such a simple recipe. It's not a secret. Uh, we say, take care of your people and they will take care of the customer. Take care of the customer and they will take care of the growth of your brand, your profits, your opportunity. It starts with people. People often say, the customer is always right. No, your people are always right. Your people come first. Think first of your people, find the right people, and treat them right. Put your people first. It's so simple. Yet most entrepreneurs don't do it because they they don't see them as that human capital. They see them as liabilities. They see people as problems. People say, I would love to start a business if only I didn't have to hire people. Then you're not an entrepreneur and you never will be and nor should you be. If you love people, great vehicle in which to start a business and make people better.
0: I'm like profusely nodding because I I agree so much with what you're saying. Thank you so much, Brian. Where can everybody learn about you and everything that you do
1: go to the Google Google's got everything just put uh, you can put my name in it or any of our brands in it and you'll be taken somewhere so you can go to Amazon check out BYOB you can go to uh, o2ebrands.com bryanscudamore.com it's it's all there find what you're looking for scour the internet and uh, hope there was a nugget in here somewhere that helped someone
0: I'm sure there was and I'll put all those links in the show notes thank you so much Brian for your time Thanks, Hala. Isn't Brian the absolute best? I mean, this was such a valuable conversation for both budding and established entrepreneurs alike. Brian mentioned that 66% of people want to start their own business. Think of that. 66% of people. That's over half of the workforce. I know so many people who tell me they want to start a business. And sadly, you might be listening in and you might want to start a business. I think a lot of this is based on the fear of failure. When we think about entrepreneurs and starting our own businesses, what often comes to mind are people like Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos. And we think of these blank slate entrepreneurs who are really the first people to ever do something. Now, I don't know. About you, but thinking that you've got to step in the shoes of somebody like Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg can be a lot of pressure and it can seem even impossible to live up to those standards. But let this episode serve as a reminder that there are many different ways to become an entrepreneur and there are different ways to start your own business. The first step is to figure out which path is the best for you to become successful. In my opinion, this is mostly based on your personality type. Are you the type of person who likes to innovate and you thrive on the unknown and you thrive on coming up with new ideas and building something from the ground up? Or are you the type of person who wants established systems and operations and likes to know your next steps to become successful. I think that's really what it comes down to. If you want to own your own business and you don't have some huge groundbreaking idea yet, and if you don't have the personality to want to explore an innovative path, instead of taking that blank slate route, it might be advantageous to look into franchising. Franchising is like starting a business with a map to success. It's a proven, recipe to your success. And that's not all to say that franchising is easy. It's really hard work and you have to pick the right company that you want to work with, but it can pay off big time, especially if you don't have the personality of a blank slate entrepreneur. And after you've researched the two paths, blank slate and franchise, you can then decide which option is best for you. Then you've got to do the scary part. And that's actually taking the leap, turning those thoughts, those dreams into action. Because if you don't actually start doing anything, nothing is going to happen. I see so many people who I'm friends with who always talk to me about wanting to start a business, but they actually never do anything to get started. And that is the first step to just start taking action. Brian is a great example of this. He was just 18 when he started his own business, 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Instead of thinking, you know, maybe someday when I'm older and I know more, or maybe once XYZ happens and I get this investment, he didn't have any excuses. He just thought, why not today? And he got to work on making it happen. Same thing with Yap Media. I didn't wait for any permission. I just started small. My company is 60 people strong now. We do social media and podcast production for 20 major clients. And I started by doing videos for Heather Monahan for $600 a month and just got started. And then it just turned into a huge business over time as I started to figure out other ways to grow our business. And so I'm going to give you guys a little homework. I know homework is not the most fun thing, but I swear this is going to be huge for you. I'm a big believer in visioning or what Brian refers to as a painted picture. So young and this week, I want you to take a pen and write down your biggest, most out there goal for yourself or for your company. And I mean, make this really big, just like how Brian wrote down that he wanted to get on the Oprah Winfrey show, and then they made it happen. Plant the seed for what you want to accomplish. And if you're feeling inspired. And if you have a team, you can do this exercise with your whole team. Write down your most desirable goals and see if, like Brian, you can start to make all of your wildest dreams come true by writing it down and then by putting that somewhere where you see it over and over again and by visualizing it actually coming true. So keep on dreaming. Keep surrounding yourself with the right people and keep setting yourself up today for success tomorrow. And I'd love to hear what you all are dreaming about and what your biggest goals are for 2022. There's lots of ways you can get in contact with me. First of all, we have a new text community powered by Slick Text. You guys can join this community and text me at any time by texting YAP, Y-A-P, to 28046. You guys can also find me on Instagram or Twitter at YAP with Hala or LinkedIn by searching my name. It's Hala Taha. And we are getting closer and closer to my goal of 500 reviews on Apple Podcasts. Now, As you guys may know, I'm a very big podcaster across all apps. So on apps like CastBox and Player FM, I have hundreds of thousands of followers. But on Apple, I'm big, but I'm not huge. And a lot of my listeners are on these different apps, but you guys have iPhones. And for us, Apple podcast reviews are super important. They act as social proof. This is where sponsors go to look first. This is where guests go to see if we're a legitimate podcast. And unfortunately, because I'm so much different than other podcasters out there, somebody might go on my Apple podcast page and think that we're not an amazing big show which we are. And so if you guys want to help us make sure that we always snag the best guests, that we always have sponsors to make sure that this show can go on for years and years to come, make sure you take the time to drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This is the number one way to support our show. As always, thanks so much for listening and thank you to my amazing YAP team. Until next time, this is Hala signing off.